back on. So. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Everything Considered podcast. Uh, my guest is my friend today, Millie America. And um, if you've ever watched any of our other interviews, their conversation style, we usually uh, discuss a topic and um, it's just very organic. We don't really know what we're going to say, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no real structure around this, but that's what I, the way I love to do podcasts. I love to do podcasts that are just two friends sitting down talking about what's going on in the world and what's going on with them. And so the topic we're going to talk about today is fear. And specifically how fear shuts down our inner knowing our and our intuition. Uh, our audience is very likely spiritually oriented. And so uh, this is something you need to know uh, that uh, the mind uh, tends to uh, participate and create fear, but the body doesn't do that. The body has inner knowing. Some people call it intuition. And when we get caught up in our head, we are... Um, we are subject to uh, falling under the spell of fearfulness and we will miss what is true for us. And Millie is an intuitive. So I'll let you speak to that a little bit, Millie. What are your thoughts about that? Hmm. You know, I remember years ago reading somewhere that fear meant false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard it. I think there's like, Oh yeah. A whole bunch of them that the, the F, the E, the A and the R stand for, but it always occurred to me that the more you fear something, the more you attract it. Yep. Yeah. And then it becomes like seeing a car, like getting a, a, a car and you never notice that car. And now you have that car, you see the car everywhere. That's right. The That's same right. as with fear. Yeah. Once you start fearing something, it shows up everywhere in your everywhere. life. Everywhere. Yeah, because the subconscious is is a very simple animal. You know, I have a dog who likes peanuts and you know, if if y'all think that's wrong, don't get on me about it, but he loves them. <laughs> and uh and he doesn't know salted peanuts, roasted peanuts, peanut butter. He doesn't know like the nuance around peanuts. He just knows peanuts. And that's how the subconscious works. So like when I think of a thing that frightens me, the subconscious goes, "Oh, you you want more of that?" right? Let's bring more of that because you're focused on it. So what we're focused on is what we kind of draw to ourselves. Um, yeah. So I, I see that a lot. What do you fear? Not a whole lot anymore, but, <laughs> but yeah, what do you, what do we fear? We fear, uh, isolation, I guess mm -hmm. we fear, we fear, um, what hasn't, what isn't there you know, or what's, what's not actually manifest or come to pass. We, you know, what we can't see. We fear what we've been told and programmed to fear. That's no true. One. That's true. I yeah. mean, that's the largest thing I, I sent you this morning from Forbes did a study and the number one thing that people were fearful was public speaking. Yes. Or two being death. I think death is right on top i mean i don't think the public speak i mean i mean we're talking from forbes but i mean yeah. i i used to fear public speaking so i understand it because yeah. i think it's because people are afraid of being seen that's mm -hmm. why it's it's so hard for it's it's so frightening but i would say death control mm -hmm. stagnation loss mm -hmm. uh not feeling safe 
Yes. And that's big for women. The yes. lack of safety and security is huge for women and, and men Ultimately, too, but mostly yeah. women. Yeah. I feel it's, it's one of those things where fear, fear of being told something and then finding out that it's not true. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the government, whether it's your husband, whether it's your family, whether it's you, fear of finding something that is not how you perceive it to be. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting. You know, I think about this a lot in terms of biology because that's kind of my background. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a part of our brain called the amygdala. And um, they used to call it the reptile brain, you know. And, you know, we're, we're animals, you know, um, and, but we're living in a time that doesn't quite fit our biology in many ways. So the amygdala is the place where we produce fight or flight or fawn. Um, and it, it actually, the more stress you have, or the more stressful events or trauma that you have, the bigger the amygdala gets. And in the, in the brain, it actually increases size. There's been studies on this Uh, and the prefrontal cortex, which is the area for logic and reason. uh, It actually shrinks the more trauma and stress we experience, but you can flip that. Like the more flow state you're in or meditation or mindfulness that you practice, the thicker the prefrontal cortex grows, the area for logical decisions and the amygdala begins to shrink. So fear is always like in the past or in the future. It's never in the now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm afraid of uh, what their reaction is going to be based on what I said yesterday. Yeah. And I can get in my mind about just like racing around in my head about that. Or I'm afraid of, you know, that thing coming up in a couple of days that I have to attend, you know? Right. Anxiety but- or depression. Right. Based on fear. Yes. Fear of the past or fear of the future. Right. So in order to kind of inoculate ourselves uh, from some of those reactions, one of the things we can do is practice presence. And it's, you know, it's simple enough and it's kind of cliche, but it's just being in the the now being fully here, fully now, you know, like Eckhart Tolle says, Um, but that presence keeps us out of the past in the future and it keeps us grounded right in in the moment and grounded into our bodies because i think that's the where the intuition lies where mm-hmm. these the inner knowing lies you know from a human design perspective that's the mind is never the authority for good reason um but the body contains what is what is right and what is not correct what's correct for the vehicle what's incorrect for the vehicle uh so when we make decisions from a place of fear it's kind of dangerous, you know, it's, it, and it also affects our bodies, how our bodies function. Big time, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the illnesses and a lot of the disorders that we have are based on the fears that we carry all the time. Yeah. Fear, like, I don't fear death at all, as you and I have spoken many times i just had one last week i don't fear those things i fear and it's not fear but it's reservation how do i support myself and my children Mm -hmm. that fear of survival Mm -hmm. becomes so like i fear not thriving Mm -hmm. but just merely surviving 
Right. And I feel that that is a huge one right now, as I'm seeing clients, and I'm sure you're seeing it where people yeah. are just barely making anything, whether it's financially or in relationships and that fear of not knowing what's coming. And, and it's, it's jacked up. It's jacked up on social media. It's jacked up on just media. It's yeah. jacked up in the world. And so people are living in the state of fight or flight constantly. Yeah. And a lot of them feeling frozen because yes. I would say that, you know, there's three things, fight, Fawn. flight, and freeze. Fawn. Fawn. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Freeze. Yes. A lot of people are just kind of paralyzed right now. Mm -hmm. I felt that way a lot over the summer. The energy felt so stagnant to me, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was forcing me to really be still, which was good. I noticed today I was coming home and there was a big traffic jam on the road to get to my house. And people were, I suppose, in a big hurry. Maybe they were afraid of, you know, getting fired or you know, who knows, like, there's just so much going on. They were pulling, literally pulling in front of traffic and making U-turns without even looking, you know, of, of who was coming. And I thought to myself, you know, that's the kind of decisions we make when we're in fear. We make very impulsive decisions, uh, from that part of the brain that is very uh, primitive. And, um, a lot of times those decisions are very regrettable one thing that narcissists know very well, and we do have narcissists that are running our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying it's on one side of the aisle or other, because I think they're just all, there's just a lot of narcissistic individuals that are calling the shots in our world right now. Um, but one thing I'd like to say is that fear and anger are narcissist food. Mm. They are fed by our fear and by our anger, because here's the thing. Narcissists are smart. If they can, if they can convince, if they can frighten you or make you angry, they can control you and they can get you to make impulsive decisions that are not correct for you because that's how the mind works. It's all, like you said, it's all about survival. The -hmm. mind is calculating, trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work. How can I afford this? How can I, you know, whatever it is, you know, the mind goes into calculation mode when all the while inside our bodies is this inner knowing. And if we can slow down, like those people that were making left-hand turns and U-turns in front of oncoming traffic, Mm -hmm. slow down Mm -hmm. and just consider, you know, what's around us and feel into our body. You know, we might discern that what we're doing is not safe. We might discern that it's not a correct move for us. And we don't have to judge what other people are doing or not doing. That's not our business. But in terms of our own bodies, we can feel into our bodies and know what the correct move is. Or we can be like those people turning into oncoming traffic, taking their chances. And I would rather slow down and kind of like get a good look at what's going on around me and then make a decision based on what's correct for me in my body. I used to do the other. Exactly what you just said, but I used to do the other. Mm. Now I'm more careful about choosing, picking and choosing any decisions in my life. I step back and go, okay, what am I? And I, sometimes I sit on it a little bit too long. I've gone from one extreme to the other, but I feel that if I take my time, what I often think is a threat really isn't. Yes. Yes. And it's really stepping back and going, hmm. 
it really isn't as bad as I thought it was. I've made this because of past experiences. I've created a monster that really shouldn't even be there. Right. Right. There's a quote, I think it's Neville that said it, what seems to be is, is to those whom it seems to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's about our perception of a thing is actually more indi- indicative of how our bodies will react and our minds will react, not so much the reality of the thing. And what time does is it gives you the enough pause to be able to sit with it and feel into whether something is, is correct or for you or incorrect for you. So the, the time, the slowing down, it's, it's the reactivity. Reactivity is very quick. Responsiveness takes some time. You I told me this, you told me this, like, I don't know when, when I don't know when you gave me the human design, um, probably two or three years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you said to me, and I'll never forget it was, if anything stuck, there were two things out of that reading, but it was, if you can wait a week when you desire something, if you can wait a week, if you want that car, instead of going and getting that car, just step back and say, is it really the car that you want? Or is it just something new that you need because it's something to fill? And I remember even now when I want something, I'll sit on it for about a week. Yeah. And let me tell you, 98% of the time, I don't get it or don't need it. Right. Because as I, as time goes by that emotion, that fuel, that desire to fill the space inside is no longer there. Right. Or the decision that I need to make, whether it's a personal decision, a professional decision, it's no longer needed because space has, you know, time has gone and is resolved itself. Yeah. So it's just like the car thing today. If you were able to just sit in it and see, I don't have to immediately do this. You know, right. I, I get stuck up here. If there's a traffic to get off this mountain, to go into Asheville, there's not many ways you can go. Right. But the other day I got, I was running late. I was taking the kids to school and there was a massive traffic jam. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to... And it was just, the light was not working properly. So I sat in it. What I thought would be like an hour, it took 15 minutes. And there were people turning like in a frenzy. Oh my God, Panic. there's no way of getting out of here. Oh yeah. This is the only way you're in and out, go back home or what? Yeah. I sat in it and I realized, just sit through it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Panic but- is like a really cool tool. Mm-hmm. If you're like, again, if you're someone that, wants to maintain control over a populace, we just have to get you really panicked and worked up about something. And then you're not going to make decisions that are correct for you. You'll make decisions that are correct for them. I think about like a lot of the advertising, you know, how a lot of it is, is Mm -hmm. fear-based. Oh, you need, you need this thing. You must have this thing, or, you know, it's really important. You get this thing. Uh, it's all appealing to, you know, that sense of urgency, you know, I, I, when I go to buy cars and I haven't in a long time, one thing I notice is that not all salespeople. So please don't get mad at me if you're a salesperson, <laughs> but some people use this, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know what? You're not going to get that price in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be raising the price. And if you don't make this decision right now, you know, you're going to miss out. And, and they're subtly playing into that, into that part of our brain that, you know, clicks yeah. in and goes survival, survival, like or buying a house, the interest yeah. rates are going to continue being up. You got to lock it today. Cause if you don't lock it today, next month, it might be, you know, woo, 
Yeah, I get it. I, I completely think that we're being constantly fed based on, um, not having the security of what we could possibly have today. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So whether it's a car or buying, you know, an appliance and interest rates on the credit cards are going to go up or whatever. Yeah. It, do it today. Cause if you do it tomorrow, it might be completely different, you know? Yeah. 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 It's a subtle manipulation that is occurring. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's kind of at a, at, you know, maybe it's always been there. I think I'm just noticing it given what we've been through the last three years and it, it helps, it creates this sense of victimhood. You know, my mm. safety lies in buying this thing, taking this supplement or, you know, doing this activity, like my, you know, my safety and security is complete, you know, and I give it over and now I'm a victim. I'm a victim to, you know, the thing not being in my life. Right. And so uh, if our identity is victimhood, then our activity becomes victimhood. And we're like, we go out, we don't do it on purpose, but we'll be like, oh, you've got to do this thing. You know, you've got to buy this thing. You've got to sign up for this. You, you know, you have to like, don't you know, this is happening and that's happening. And, you know, so we spread it, not because we're intentionally trying to spread it but because it's just it's part of our makeup to want to protect others from the thing or make sure they have the thing you know so it's 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 funny it's so funny how anxiety and I know because I I speak to a lot of people and the first the the thing that keeps coming up is that people have tremendous amount of anxiety and a lot of times you say I don't even think it's mine. And I'm like, well, the collective is full of anxiety. When my daughter was in high school, she suffers from tremendous anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she would leave me these notes to remind me on the mirror to go pick her up if she was staying after school. Mm. And I mean, then she would like make sure that they were all over the house. And I remember saying to her one day, honey, when have I ever left you at home? I mean, at school, when have I ever left you that I'd pick? No, but just in case. And I go, okay, let's go to the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Mom forgot to pick me up. School's 20 minutes away. You give me a call and I'm on my way. You only wait 20 minutes. Right. right. So where's the anxiety there? But it, 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 it touches upon, I mean, she was, she was born and immediately taken to an orphanage in Romania. So I understand mm-hmm. abandonment. abandonment. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing with anxiety that it will trigger whatever trauma mm-hmm. was programmed in us from early on. Yes. It's and it's in the biology. One of the mm-hmm. things I'm really diving deeply into right now is something called German new medicine. And, um, Dr. Hammer was the, uh, person that, uh, I wasn't going to go into this, but I can't help it. Do it, do um, it, do it, do it. <laughs> um, Dr. Hammer was the man that discovered it. He was an internist and he worked uh, in oncology and he was a very healthy man. And he went to Italy with his family and his son was tragically shot and died four later in his four days later in his arms. And shortly after that happened, he developed a testicular cancer. And he connected the traumatic event with the testes. And in nature, like we produce extra tissue when there's been a trauma. Like, so nature was saying, you lost this child. We're going to give you more capacity. We're going to increase the tissue. So he had, he made that connection and he started interviewing uh, all sorts of patients with all sorts of ailments and asking them about their history with conflict and trauma. 
And so he found, he actually found places in the brain that corresponded directly with the organ or whatever, you know, that, that connected to the disease process or what we call the disease process, which he called more of a healing process. And so when we have these early conflicts, you know, that something early on happens, it physiologically affects us. And that's, and then that trauma is kind of stored there. And then later on something triggers it and it's just like, it's all happening again. And it's not even a conscious thing. Cause I'm sure she doesn't remember that it's she just, doesn't. it's just in her body to oh. recall that that was a dangerous thing. And so she's taking all the, all the steps she can possibly think right. of to prevent the dangerous thing. But you just said this to me on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Can I share that? I mean, yes. it was, oh, please it was do. incredible. Yeah. Um, so first I had a near death experience. I left my body on Thursday night. I found myself hovering and I went back. I, I'm almost sure I had some kind of a heart attack or something. Right. right. <laughs> and nobody needs to come after me about me going to get checked because that's not going to happen. But anyways, after that, it was like spirit kept nudging different things to me. And on Sunday, I take my kids to the park and Luke was going to get on the swing and I was right hovering over him, but he accidentally went up and he hit my jaw with all, I mean, like yeah. with all his might and the pain was excruciating. Now I've had my jaw out of place since I was 16 years old, mm. 55. I mean, every time I've gone to the dentist or like you need surgery, it's completely dislocated on this side. And the minute he did that, he actually pushed it into place. The pain was profound, but it sure. was pushed oh, into yeah. place. And I was like, oh my God, I could open up my mouth and it doesn't move. And it's like mm -hmm. almost 40 years of not having my jaw in place. So then you and I were talking about, I said that spirit kept saying, go back to 1984, go back to 1984. And I didn't understand what the 1984 was. And I, you know, I turned on the TV that day, that night and Wonder Woman 1984 came out. Oh, maybe I'm supposed to watch 1984, this movie. Right. And you and I were talking and I'm like, I don't understand. I looked it up and the jaw signifies, you know, like feeling guilt, resentment, mm -hmm. um, locking up, mm -hmm. the voice, stagnant. Yeah. A lot of the things that I have been feeling for decades, you know, making afraid of making decisions, blah, 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 blah. And I don't understand this 1984. And you said to me, well, how old were you? And I went, I was 16. What year was that? It was like 1984. Mm. And we began to talk about the trauma of the woman. I was in singing classes for two years. Mm -hmm. And my mother had pushed me. She's the one, the one that wanted me to be an artist and a singer because she never got to do it. Mm -hmm. And so she was all over. I don't want to go to singing class. All right. Singing class. I went and the woman was just like her. She was domineering. She was mm -hmm. narcissistic. She was, and that specific day I had just turned 16 in 1984. And I opened up the jaw because she kept saying wider, wider, wider. Mm -hmm. And I felt it. And she had to take, my mother had to take me to the emergency dentistry and they wanted to wire. I mean, like it was a serious issue. My face was swollen for a long time. Right. I refused it. I'm like, no one's touching my jaw. Yeah. Like, no one's touching my heart. No one's touching my jaw. Yeah. And you and I were talking about this and how that then related and translated into every decision that I've made about 
feeling safe with other people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I had this massive release on Monday and Tuesday because of your awareness mm-hmm. of you, something so my jaw, something so easy. I mean, think about our jaw is what, how we feed ourselves, how we, how we speak, yes. how the the sense of feeling safe in our own, you know, yes it's important like my jaw is back in place like it's never been 40 years 40 years of my jaw completely you know and it went with me leaving my body on Thursday Mm -hmm. and being so happy that I was going there I was hovering over my body and I knew it stopped it stopped I knew I wasn't breathing and I'm thinking to myself I didn't feel fear I thought to myself oh thank god the kids are not here with me this week they won't find me dead right and then the second, the second thing was today's my mom's birthday. I get to spend it with her. And yes. then immediately I was swung back because I felt something paddle me. And of mm-hmm. course, I don't even know the time. I didn't have the phone next to me. I couldn't get out of bed for hours, but that was the first reset mm-hmm. to then that. Mm-hmm. And I understand now why that happened to me on Thursday night. And I also understand the jaw thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a, a healing that I didn't even know I needed. Like right. I never thought of my jaw as an issue because so many decades living like that, except when it gets cold and I can't, you know, it's hard for me to chew or, you know, arthritis, whatever, whatever was going on there. And you know what? There were times where I thought maybe I need an operation. I was like, nope, no one's touching yeah. my jaw. Our bodies are our friends and but they- you. Yeah. It's not an, you know, it, when you start to, your answers are all in you, like the answer is actually, you know, and all that I did was listen to what you had to say and you came to it. And it was like, it's, it's that simple. We, when we begin to understand the, what happens to the physiology, when we have a shock or a conflict or something that gets under our skin, right. And we, we, when we begin to understand that the body goes to work immediately to try to resolve that and the way it resolves it oftentimes are in ways we don't particularly care for, but <laughs> it, but, but, you know, it's part of the healing process. If we can embrace that healing process, instead of look at our bodies as an adversary, something to, um, you know, reject or, um, what's the word, you know, um, become, come up against, you know, mm-hmm. it, that it's a problem, you know, mm-hmm. that my thing is a problem instead of, instead relabel it as a communication. It is. It's talking, it's, it's trying to get something resolved by giving you the symptom. Mm-hmm. It's not your enemy. It's not something to resist. It's something to listen to. And, you know, I'm not telling anybody to not do whatever they feel it to do, you Absolutely. know, when just make that disclaimer, make that clear, you know, it's it, but it is about what you believe about it, what your mm-hmm. perception is. And there's no measurement. I mean, it could be something as small as having a dog bark at you, you know, uh, and then, you know, for the rest of your life, you know, right. every time, every fear. time you see a dog, you get a, maybe yeah. you, you're, you get an itch or a rash yeah. or something because yeah. it just triggers that. So I think the, the medicine that we'll be going into in, um, the future will, uh, you know, take these things into account, maybe, you know, more in a way that we've never seen before. And people will see a resolution to a lot of these conflicts they hold in their bodies and not have to wait 40, 50 years to like come to terms with that. 
and to uh, up to, to yeah. like, you know, I had a client this morning. Um, I don't know why she waited so long to contact me, but anyways, we had a, a meeting this morning and she's has a retina, her retina is detaching. Mm-hmm. And so I read to her what the meaning of eyes meant and the retina and what she wasn't seeing clearly. And then all the underlying thing, underlining things about shame, guilt, not facing things, not wanting right. to accept things. Yeah. And she just looked at me and said, oh my God. I go, so when you start to recognize mm-hmm. what your body is trying to tell you, you know, I stump my toe and I go looking, what does that mean? You know, right. so yeah. And, and, and it's, it's definitely the body saying, hold up, look at this. Yeah. When this happened to me last Thursday night, and I had chest pains for like 20, for a long time, mm-hmm. I realized I, I, I breathe through it. I understand the whole heart where I'm holding my emotions. The heart is all about feeling secure, mm-hmm. feeling loved, feeling understood. It's what right. it's the essence of our being. I mean, yeah. this is what makes us, if we don't have a heart, we don't live. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let's be right. clear. And once I was able to sit with it for a week, even this morning, I was like, still learning Mm -hmm. to be gentle with me, to love me, Mm -hmm. to not feel like I cannot, like I'm on fight or flight mode right? because of my circumstances with my ex or whatever. Like it's a constant battle of, I recognize it. We attract the things, and I know I'm going to get, not everybody has to agree with me. That's we okay. Yeah. The ailments and the things that happen to us by the decisions that we make in our lives or yes. what we thought of or what we think of or the traumas that we've had. The jaw thing, uh, until you pointed it out, I was completely unaware mm-hmm. that what they kept telling me about 1984 was didn't even do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm no expert and I'm learning this and it's really, it's really making a big difference in my own life. You know, I've, I had a chronic cough for, oh, I guess it's close to three years now and I've grief. Yeah. So I've injured the muscles around the ribs. And, uh, the other day I, they seized up, we were watching TV and I, I thought, God, what the heck's happening here? You know, like the cough has really gotten a ton better. It maybe one happens once a day now. It's like wonderful that it's gotten so much better. Um, but but the next day I talked to those muscles and I was like, look, mm-hmm. I know by doing this, you're trying to protect me. You don't want to get hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're seizing up to protect me from this activity, this coughing that has hurt you so badly. But I promise you it's getting better and I'm going to really do everything I can not to hurt you anymore. And they just immediately relaxed. And it's like, if we can treat our bodies like, like something we love and a a person that we love and care about and recognize that they do what they do as a communication, not to harm us. I I feel like our bodies can be more cooperative. Um, So we have to ask ourselves, are we done living in fear and subjecting our biology to that fear? Are we done doing that? You know, can we, uh, recognize when that's coming up in a very non-judgmental way, because hmm. it's not, this is not moralistic. It's not like you're, if you have fear, you're bad. We all have that as part of our programming. Uh, you know, it's very, very, um, primitive it's in us, but 
you know, can we recognize it when it's occurring and kind of love ourselves off the ledge a little bit and work on correcting whatever it's calling that needs correction and spare ourselves a lot of years of pain. And, you know, other things can be very supportive, but I feel like we need to start recognizing the mind-body connection. I've been a massage therapist for over 20 years, and I've never had anybody come to me who is in severe pain and doesn't have some sort of conflicts that they're dealing with in their lives. You know, it's, it's all interconnected. We are all completely interconnected. Um, and it, what, and it's a collective thing too. It's, it's mm -hmm. can be mm -hmm. almost contagious, you mm -hmm. know, and we have to be cautious about that. Um, our media has just run crazy with things and they are very complicit in, uh, promoting this culture of fear. And, and it's, it's not healthy. Uh, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, and we've talked about this before, the news came on at five o'clock in the afternoon. That's that it. it. That's and, it. And think about, we've got all these major channels now that are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week in every language you can possibly imagine. And it's fear porn. It's just constant, you know, you don't have, you don't ever hear an entire hour of good news. My six-year-old has now on his tablet, he, I don't know where he found it. And I keep taking it off and he keeps putting it back on from different channels. He has to know weather disasters. <laughs> so he gets, he gets these things yeah. on his tablets about like, like a volcano erupting or, you know, Italy is underwater. Or, right. And then he tells me, he goes, oh my God. And I'm like, why are you listening to that? Yeah. What is going on? And I see him watching all these videos. That's this obsession with tragic events happening in the world. Yeah. And like, I'm like, do you know that there's no reason at six years old to be worrying? I don't even worry about this. I mean, like, there's no reason for you to be worrying about it. That's a negativity bias. And again, that goes back to our, the primitive areas of our brain, because, you know, if you were living in the woods and you walk down this one path and a snake came out on that path, mm -hmm. you're going to look at that path differently than you looked at it before. You're going to have a negative bias mm -hmm. towards that path. You're going to take a different path or you're going to have a stick with you or something to defend yourself if that happens again. And so we're wired for negativity bias. People's memories even, like they can remember negative events way more accurately oh than positive events. So, so we're hardwired to do that. But the cool thing is, is when you realize that you can navigate it in a more skillful and advantageous way, you can observe it and go, Oh, look at that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching the train wreck over, <laughs> you know, and soap operas, like I'm watching, I'm watching this because I have a negativity bias and I'm enjoying it's, it's activating a part of my brain. It's, that's feeding, very it's feeding that natural thing of, yeah. of experiences. You know, when I started hiking up here, you know, that I moved up here from the city, I remember my family would say, how can, how can you go by yourself up these mountains? There's bears, right? No bear wants me. <laughs> it was like, no bear wants me. No bobcat wants me. Like right. I don't have, and I think maybe this is part of, and I say this, in the most loving, I really think I'm invincible. 
I can't be taken out. <laughs> well, it, the, your history certainly seems to support that. They don't want that. me in the afterlife. I keep coming back and yeah. it's not like I'm going to go check myself out, but you know, like they, I'm being teased. I leave and then I'm going to come back. And, and I'm like, yeah. why are people so afraid of dying? This is, you know, like. Yeah. Well, it's the unknown, right? Cause nobody. It is the unknown. It, it really and to is. You and I, it it's not really. Told it's not, it's not much, it's not an unknown to us. Mm -hmm. So I can respect and understand why people are terrified of it because they don't know it. Plus we don't handle death in a healthy way in in our particular culture. Um, Other countries like more indigenous do handle death in a way that is much more, Mm -hmm. you know, from the time children are young, it's not something that's hidden or talked about in a hush hush Mm -hmm. voice. And it's not something that they're taught to fear, but you know, when you look at our culture, I mean, we're buying, you know, creams and all kinds of things to masquerade the fact that, or cover the fact that aging. We're, we're frightened of aging and yeah. we're, we're frightened of, you know, we put our, our sick and elderly in places where we don't have to see them. And that sounds you know, and sometimes we do it because they're just, the care is too much. So I'm not saying that that isn't the case sometimes. But a lot of times it's, it's hard for us to face what's happening to them um, as part of the natural process of life. So we're so far away from nature, um, but we are nature and we're always going to have that conflict until we're able to, to, you know, make peace with the fact that, that death is a part of, of life, you know, and it's, it's part of what we do as humans. Just this, like is, this is why 2020 was so powerful. Mm-hmm. because we were told to stay in our homes because otherwise we would die and a lot of people did die yeah and it created such a mass hysteria mm-hmm. with every right i mean whether you believe the right the left the up and whatever. down whatever yeah. but it was fed so mm-hmm. clearly that if we didn't do this we would die right our loved ones would die and a lot of people did die because there was a virus and so if you want to control the way people think you control what they fear the most right right you control their health their finances and you control the way they live yeah your environment yes all three yes were very well taken care of yes um and i feel it's it's very difficult to navigate and think we might have another one yeah because well, i mean we're certainly going to have things happen in this world because this yeah. is the way the world is yeah. there's stuff that's going to happen but you know that it, it we missed an enormous opportunity and i say we meaning the collective because i'm sure i know a lot of people did do this, but we missed an, an opportunity to have a dialogue about our nature and yeah. to have a dialogue about, and to step into the fear and examine it. You know, it would have been a really good opportunity for us to slow down and take a good look at, you know, why, how, why is that there? Why is it, why is it we, we reject what is natural? Why is it we, why do we not have a peaceful relationship with this? You know, that would have been an incredible opportunity had we all taken it to do that work of 
inquiry and really sort those things out in our hearts. And we would have been richer for it because after, you know, it, whatever it is, uh, you know, was over, we would have had, we will have, we would have grown. We will, we would have evolved and we would have come together as, as one, you know, that, that was the opportunity that was missed, but that I'm hopeful with whatever occurs, you know, um, had a client to have a tree go down this morning. I mean, you know, there's just stuff. We live in a dynamic reality and there's things happening all the time. Can we slow down enough to, to come together and to have these conversations and to explore, you know, the human psyche and, and why it is that we react the way we do. Can we have more awareness around it, more consciousness around it? Can we be more present with it? Uh, to me, that was, that's a, a tragedy that so many people did not take that as an opportunity to come together and to really discuss these things, not, not the thing in particular, but, you know, what was going on inside of them as a result of the thing, you know, there were two things that did come out of this. Number one, the earth got a chance to breathe for the first time mm -hmm. in hundreds of years. Yes. You know, animals were able to roam. Yes. We were put on timeout. Mm -hmm. And in that timeout, nature and the earth were able to truly breathe for the first time without the lack of busyness and mm -hmm. manufacturing and everything that we do to it. Right. The second thing was that it woke a lot of people up. Yes. People started to ask questions about you know, what's going on? Yes. And I have not, I'm not very good about following directions. I never have been. Yeah. So, and it's <laughs> not that I'm a rebel. It's just that I tend to question shit. I, I am like that too. Go, wait, what? No. Why? Mm -hmm. Tell me a good reason why. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, this is why I'm not a very good patient either. Like if I ended up in a hospital, which I have in the past for reasons with my heart, I am, what do you mean? For mm -hmm. how long do I need to do this? Or how, you know, like, what is that going to fix? Right. And when, You know, I can fix myself. I know how to fix myself. Yeah. You know, we are, this is a vessel. Like yes. a car. when your car breaks are low or you can't trust them anymore what do you do you go and you get new car brakes right right you manage to keep you don't question it in the sense okay what am i doing wrong like when i moved up here this was a big thing i always lived in a flat land right and I moved up here and you go when i was going up and down that mountain you break a lot so mm -hmm. my brake pads were constantly having to be replaced because of the terrain where i was living right Okay. My tires as well, because mm -hmm. you're wear and tear, you know, through gravel road or whatever. You don't change the car. Right. You don't just say, oh, I'm done with, no, you fix the parts. The same is with our bodies. When it starts to have an issue, you start to figure out what do I need to do to fix that issue? You practice inquiry around it. And that's right. what, that's what was not happening but for some of us, it was happening. Like you said, there yeah. are a lot of people that this really yeah. woke them up. It's important to become empowered around your own health, whether that's physical, mental, or spiritual. 
it's much more effect. It's not just important. It's crucial. It's really important that you ask questions because, you know, uh, like I said, I'm a practitioner and I call what I do a practice. Okay. Because the reality is I don't know what's going to help every person that, that right. I work with. I don't, I don't know that, but I know they know, they just don't know they know. Right. And that goes back to our original conversation is that truth, what's correct for you, you know, mm-hmm. okay. I don't necessarily know if I, if I, if I know it's because I asked the right questions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not because I, I'm somehow I'm more knowledgeable, you know, uh, and anybody who is in the healing profession, hopefully approaches what they do with that kind of mentality that, you know, this person has the answers that I need to help them. And it's, it's going to be my listening and asking the right questions that are going to help instead of just having a one size fits all protocol for every single person that walks through the door, you're dealing with, with everybody's unique. Mm -hmm. You're not everybody's body, everybody's mind, everybody's spirit, everybody's unique. And they all come with their own unique um, differences and needs and wounding and And traumas and triggers and all that, that makes us very human. Exactly. This is the, the inside of this, the consciousness is a very spiritual being. Mm-hmm. this yes well, comes this because, right we have lessons to learn and we pick and choose the things that we entertain and not entertain yes you know i remember watching a show the other day uh actually it was like in the 80s it was set in the 80s and the woman was pregnant and she was smoking a cigarette and i was like wow have we come a long way like yeah. do you know what i mean like people yeah. drank and smoked back in the 70s and 60s and I was, you know what I mean? I'm here. Survived <laughs> somehow. Like, but it was her perception around it too, exactly. because people have to remember if you think something's bad for you, it is very much so. It just, you know, it might be bad for you, but it is a lot worse for you if you entertain the idea that it is bad for you and you do it. So you, we can't, we can't be so reductionist and think that, you know, it is this thing that causes that it's the, it's often, it can be partially that thing, but it's also the perception around the thing. That's why the placebo effect works so well. Yes. Because if you believe something to be true, it becomes true. It becomes true. You, you live it out. You live it out. So there's no fear because I'm taking this Mm -hmm. and it's going to fix me. Right. Even though if it's a sugar pill, do you know what I mean? Like if you now owned the right you're 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 in safe hands because you're taking this pill yes placebo but you don't know and guess what it's fixing me yes so you can't you know we're so materialistic meaning i don't mean that in terms of greed or you know we are but i mean that in terms of thinking that our world is limited to physicality that we we by and large become very reductionist and that we do not consider the whole person uh, and you know, the word holistic got very demonized out of fear yeah. the last couple yeah. of years, but that is really the way to, to, to do, to actually have impact is to look at, look at things through a holistic point of view, not this reductionist, oh. 
yes. holistic, not just holistic, like right. the wholeness. Oh, of the, the whole picture. The whole, whole picture. Holistic. Yeah. Yeah. The whole picture. Let's look yeah. at this whole thing. And um, if we could somehow shift our perception to, you know, maybe the rash is not just caused by something that land, you know, landed on me. <laughs> maybe it's an irritation. It's an irritation. Something are all about inner under, irritations under my skin. It has irritated me. It is now mm -hmm. under my skin. So, and to just ask questions around that, it can't hurt anything. I had, um, one of my boys, um, he has tremendous, he was diagnosed with ADD. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the age, but he couldn't concentrate. And they sent him Adderall and they gave it to him for about two months. And it did help him, but he started losing weight and he already was already thin. Mm. So I switched the pills and I got sugar pills and I put it in the thing. Cause now he was dependent on the effects of that medicine. Oh, I can concentrate right. better. Right. <laughs> he took that thing for a year and there were sugar pills and he was doing great. He didn't, he believed that the pill he was taking was actually going to help him concentrate and guess what <laughs> it, it did but it was a yeah, sugar pill yeah. yeah it was nothing but a sugar pill that looked exactly like it and belief is a powerful thing it belief is a power he would thing. ask for it every morning can i have my adderall sure here and i kept putting it on the same prescription medicine you know what yeah if you believe it enough because you're taking your medicine mm -hmm. anything is possible can i help you yeah. Well, you know, and it's not to negate. And so I really want people to not get the wrong idea. It's, oh, no. I mean, we're not nullifying whatever a person is suffering with. I certainly right. have had many things I've suffered with. They're very Good. real to me. Like they're very real. What we're saying is that there is an, a mental, emotional, spiritual component right. that deserves to be investigated because you can support your healing by looking at your perspectives around a thing, what you believe, what you right. subconsciously believe. So that's, that's what I think I want to get across. And also that in terms of our fears, those do impact our pathology yeah, and our mentality around things, how we think it can't not because we are human animals with a subconscious, our brains are still have a little amygdala back there that functions, uh, you know, to protect us from the snake on the path, you know, um, but we, we need to learn not to be subject to it because that becomes problematic. Like I saw with those people pulling into traffic today, you know, yeah. just firing that amygdala, like I got to get out, I got to get out, you know, N never mind. there's oncoming traffic coming right at them. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it really leaks into so many areas of our lives and it, it's really, it really merits investigation. So I guess that's the thing I want to really, um, get across today, uh, is that your question, if you're told question. something, you know, you go to a doctor and you're told something, get a second opinion, sometimes get, get a three opinion. or four opinions, yeah. go get tested. I, you know, I grew up with a mother who was a hypochondriac. She was always in the doctor. And maybe that is why I have so much resistance about anything that has to do with, mm -hmm. you know, being in the, in the hospital mm -hmm. or being, because I spent a lot of my childhood with issues in the hospitals, not yeah. just mine, but hers. And right. I, 
I have gotten to the point where I do question, what, what do you mean? I have what? Uh, okay. I'm going to fix this on my own. And mm -hmm. if I can't, I'm the first one to say, you know what? I need help. I got to go back to the doctor and get professional help. Sure. But I question everything and I do the research and I figure out what's the best plan because it's not one size fits all. No, and it's what not. works for you might not work for me. Right. And I feel that people, it is everybody's responsibility to feel, to really pay attention to what their intuition is telling them, mm -hmm. not to just ignore it. Yeah. You know, everything has a time and place and you need to do your research and also trust that your spirit guides and your guidance and God and your angels mm -hmm. are guiding you along to the right path. Right. Because I, don't, I understand that sometimes I say, I'm not going to the doctor and I really won't. And then somebody else will start saying, well, you just had a heart attack. Why didn't you go to the, um, you know, this is my choice. This is how I live my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If yeah. somebody else was to have that, I'd probably call 911 and go, hey, come get this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is this is me. I know me better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You and know that, you better than anybody. Exactly. And that and a good healer will tr really understands that and gives you the space to make decisions that you feel are correct for you, even if maybe it's contrary to what they would tell you, because you right. do live in your own skin and you do know. Mm -hmm. And so it's just it's just about respect. It's like, you know, this is your life. You get to choose how to live it. Mm -hmm. um, that is not anybody else's business. And uh, someone who is very um, aware, conscious, a practitioner that's very conscious is going to honor that because ultimately, like I said, it's called a practice for a reason because there's yeah. no, there's no certainty. It's not an, it's not an exact, nothing is exact. We don't know exact because you have so many variations in terms. I mean, there's people that are born with one kidney and they don't know until, you know, they die in some sort of an accident later, they do an autopsy and they've had one kidney their whole life. Yeah. You know, but that, but that might be problematic if they knew earlier in life, you know? Um, so the mind and what we believe about, um, our bodies or our minds, it you becomes know, our reality. It becomes your reality. So, you know, you, we get to choose whether we want to subject our bodies to fear. Um, and if we also get to choose whether we work to resolve that conflict within ourselves. And I think it's important to, to look at, I think it's important to ask those questions. Anything else is supportive, but I feel like that's core. So you're going to do great in this new, um, in this German new medicine, April. Oh, I, um, I have a lot. First to of all, the passion that you have. And second of all, it's super interesting. And you have intuition that goes to it. You're going to do, because what you did with my jaw just a few days ago was like, what, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> just well, like, yeah. You know, I'm on my own healing journey. I'm on my own learning journey. And I don't, and I think that's the beginning of wisdom is to realize that you don't know and yeah. to start asking questions. I really feel like that's, you know, I, I don't claim to have all the answers or know what's going to help every person, but I do believe with all of my heart that the answers are found within them. And if I can do anything to just help them connect with that, that's all I'm going to do, you know? So thank you. Oh, thank you. This has been wonder a wonderful conversation and I hope it's helpful to whoever mm -hmm. uh, receives it. And uh, we probably said things that you agreed with and maybe things that you didn't agree with. Take what uh, resonates. 
yeah, take what resonates, leave the rest, mm -hmm. you know, uh, used to say eat the meat through spit out the bones, uh, <laughs> you know, or if you don't eat meat, uh, I guess, you know, eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. Right. So, um, thank you everybody for joining us today. And, um, thank you, Millie, for coming on thank and you. having this talk with me. I really appreciate it. I love it. you. I love you Bye, too. Guys. Bye. See you later.